Hey, you're listening to Cut for Time, a podcast from Faith Church located on the north side of Indianapolis. My name is Claire Kingsley. Each week, I'll sit down with one of our preaching pastors to discuss their Sunday sermon. Cut for Time is a look behind the scenes of sermon preparation, and they'll share with us a few things that we didn't hear from the sermon on Sunday. Thanks for listening. All right. Hey, Jeff, it's Cut for Time, and we are recapping the council, the sermon, the council, which was from the start of Acts chapter four to verse 22. Why don't you give yes. us a recap from your sermon on Sunday? Of all the 22 verses. Yeah, that was a long passage. There's a lot going on here. Uh, yeah. So uh, again, it's sort of following up from where we've been in Acts. Peter, uh, in the power of the spirit, heals this man who's been lame from birth. And that provides, obviously, this opportunity to explain to the people gathered around what happened then how did you do this? And as he's preaching about Jesus, the Savior and the Messiah and Lord, uh, the temple authorities show up and they're uh, annoyed, disturbed. Uh, what are you doing and who gave you the power and authority? And it's another opportunity for Peter to proclaim the same message of Jesus, the risen Messiah, who is Lord. And the leaders of the people, unlike the responsive crowd at Pentecost who are asking, what do we do? Their question is, what are we going to do about this situation? Because they're not really interested in responding to what Peter says. And so they try and shut them up. And Peter and John essentially say, well, you decide whether we should obey you or obey God, but we can't not talk about what Jesus has done. So it raises this whole idea, this whole uh, issue of uh, why are these men threatened and how the gospel challenges all of us. Uh, there's a challenge to our idea of what our life is about and where we're heading and how God ought to be working in the world. And that brings us to a point of either rejecting or receiving the message of God's salvation that's found only in Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and so that's largely what we talked about. Uh, the, the idea of the gospel is really a challenge to all of us. And we have to keep on deciding what we're going to do with that because it's going to keep on challenging us in different ways and different parts of our lives. Yeah. Um, all right. So, Jeff, we had a few questions submitted. I know you've got some of your own things that you had to cut for time that you're hoping to talk about. So um, let's start with a text question um, that somebody asked, which is just, can you talk more about the phrase Jesus Christ, the Nazarene? And um, how would that have landed on leaders in the way, like what did it communicate when we use such a formal title here in the story of the New Testament? Um, and uh, this person says, it's such an interesting title too, the God, man, Messiah, Jesus, who was born in Nazareth. Can you comment on that? Yeah, it's it's almost like, uh, well, Peter is in court in a sense, right? So I, I think there's an element here of Peter wanting to not just clarify who this particular Jesus is in case there's any question, but also as in a sense, making a formal defense of who Jesus is mm -hmm. to ascribe to him kind of all of these titles. And yeah, there's probably an element in there, the, the pointing out that he's from Nazareth is not just, again, identifying him specifically, but there's also this tension, you know, that Jesus ran across in the Gospels. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? 
Uh, so it's highlighting for us and for these leaders the unexpected way that God works, right? Like uh, he's going to bring a prophet out of Nazareth. Nothing good comes from Nazareth. So it's a reminder of how God uh, sort of inverts all our expectations uh, and works in ways that we don't anticipate. And we, again, have to decide what we do with that. Mm -hmm. So um, Peter and John were preaching or teaching in the temple. Um, and is there any like special ID rabbi card or something that like allows somebody to teach in the temple with authority that they didn't have that like on the basis of which like a legal basis on which they were jailed, you know, like I, we understand yeah. they were jailed because they were preaching in Jesus's name. And that was frustrating to these people, but like in general, could other people have also gotten in trouble if they didn't have this, some authority to be teaching there in general. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I love it, right? Like you or I probably can't walk into Congress while they're meeting and just like start stand stand up and say whatever we want, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so there, there may have been something like that going on, but uh, from the context, it seems like uh, the man was probably not in the temple courts themselves. Like he was at the gate and, and part of it was because of his physical limitation, he was considered an outsider and wasn't able to go into the temple courts themselves. And, and that's why uh, this healing is so significant, because he's now restored, not just physically, but also restored to the community of God's people and being able to worship and and that healing itself is demonstrating how God is reaching out to us to draw us in. So he's actually probably preaching just outside the temple courts uh, at, at the gate that would have led into sort of mm -hmm. the whole temple complex. So, uh, I mean, that's a, that's a really interesting question. Yeah, he, I mean, Peter was not a rabbi, he, you know, he didn't have the credentials. And again, that's highlighting the distinction of how God chooses to work in unexpected ways. So it's it's a little bit of a gray area. He, you know, he's not in the temple proclaiming that, you know, he as a rabbi has authority to teach. He's he's sort of on the on the outskirts uh in the in the public area where even the gentiles would have been able to hang out, which is probably again why such a a big crowd gathers, but because he's not in the worship part of the temple complex. Mm -hmm. So as far as like a legal thing, I, you know, I mean, it sounds like these leaders were looking for an excuse, you know, to, to sort of haul them off and, you know, drag them away and demand, why are you doing this? But probably not strictly just because Peter was preaching in a way that wouldn't have been allowed. Gotcha. Okay. Pause. Um, you peed your pants. Okay. Sorry. We have a potty training kid. Hold oh, on. Man. Yeah, of course. You know, so many things get cut on, cut for time. Yeah. Well, I mean, life happens, I, you know. All right. So Jeff, um, tell us what you had to cut for time that you wish you could have included. 
Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I, I kind of alluded to it before. I mean, it's 22 verses and there's just a ton here. I, mm. I think uh, just some of the background and the connections that Luke is probably drawing on uh, deepen, you know, our, our perspective of what's happening here. There's probably an echo. Uh, if we think back to, I, I kind of wanted to go like, man, where where else do we have this image of like a, a stone that's been rejected and, and that's really significant? And uh, a couple of commentators point out, um, you know, in, in this dream that Nebuchadnezzar has in the book of Daniel, there's this stone not cut by human hands that smashes the the idol that's a vision of like all these worldly empires. And this stone grows to be a mountain that rules over the world. And then a few chapters later, Daniel has this vision of an eternal kingdom of all nations and languages serving the son of man in his everlasting dominion. And, and then we get to the New Testament and Jesus applies all this imagery to himself. He, his most frequent way of referring to himself is the son of man. And he quotes this Psalm 118 about the stone the builders rejected when he tells the parable of the vineyard and the tenants in the vineyard who reject the son. Uh, and so it, Jesus is intentionally like bringing together all this imagery of himself as the foundation stone that the builders have rejected that rules yeah. over all the kingdoms of the world. And and there's this great irony that Peter is on trial for preaching and healing at the temple in Jesus' name. And, and, and I think we're meant to see all of that coming together, that Jesus is the foundation. He's the cornerstone for this true temple that God is building, his, his church, his people. Uh, man, it's just, there, there's so much depth there. And I just, you know, I wish we had time to get into all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it'd be, it'd be great in the context of like a grow class or, or a cup for time episode. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so Jeff, uh, you mentioned that you wanted to be able to kind of share a little bit uh, application, taking this one step further. What do you wish you could have shared with us during the sermon? Yeah, there's, uh, you know, the, obviously there's an exclusiveness to uh, the claims that Jesus is making about himself that that's not popular in our in our culture, in our cultural season. Uh, you know, it, it comes across as like an, an attack on religious diversity. And it sounds kind of arrogant. And, you know, it, it's helpful for us to step back from that and recognize uh, first of all, every philosophy and religion and worldview is intolerant, right? It, I mean, because everyone believes they're right. And, you know, my way of understanding things is the right way. And Jesus is just saying the same thing. The, the question is, you know, on, on what basis? So the, the apostles are uh, at the same time not demanding that people believe, not commanding people uh, not imposing their faith on others. Um, they're informing people, they're telling people who Jesus is, and stressing the responsibility that we all have to wrestle with what I'm going to do with that. So in terms of, you know, being intolerant and causing division, again, kind of every worldview does that a little bit. And at the same time, if we're really paying attention to what Peter's doing here and John, they're not, uh, you know, again, demanding that people 
follow and obey. They're telling them, well, we're just going to keep talking about who Jesus is and what he's done. And you guys have to figure out what you want to do with that. Um, so I think that's helpful for us uh, in terms of both shaping what we do with our faith and our expectations for how we engage with the world. Uh, again, Peter and John are not on trial for uh, trying to make the authorities, you know, do what they want. They're on trial for claiming, well, Jesus is the only way. And that's what he said. And there's good reason to affirm that. And and then you have to decide what you want to do with it. And if if we're persecuted for preaching that message, again, that's different from being persecuted for literally being intolerant and saying like, no, you, you know, you're not allowed to believe differently than us. Peter and John have this great confidence that Jesus is the Lord and, and he is the savior and he does rule over all. And, mm-hmm. and they're just putting that out in front of people to wrestle with what they're going to do with that. You, you can either align yourself with that or not, um, that's up to you. And there's a consequence either way that's going to flow from that. So there's, there's a confidence and a peace that, that comes out of this awareness that, yeah, Jesus is the only way. And he's also the Lord. And and we don't have to be threatened if people don't agree and don't follow. Um, I, the other thing that came to mind is, um, the, the, the leader's, uh, you know, annoyance, disturbance, anger, frustration um, is uh, is meaningful. And I think it's a good, it prompts good question and reflection for what is it that disturbs or angers or annoys or bothers me? And, and right. those are maybe clues to my expectations, you know, for the way life's supposed to work or what God's supposed to be doing. Um that that's a that's a good uh a good thing to reflect on um and i was really encouraged to see that uh that shows up in our sermon discussion questions we are uh we are working with a member uh in the congregation who's got some really great background and experience in adult education and coaching and pastoral ministry who's helping us uh really expand the the depth and the impact and the thoughtfulness of our sermon discussion notes yes and so um we've they've always existed um i know some people think are like are just finding them for the first time but that's fine that's great we're glad that you know about the resource now you and joey have previously written them yourselves but now this is taking like a much deeper look at applying what we're learning on Sunday and having it carry throughout the week probably in a more intentional and intentional way it's a great tool for people to use in their own bible study with you know with their spouse with their family or um a friend or just we're encouraging people to use it in community groups and it's also like great to be able to study the same thing across multiple groups and be growing together as a body. So this helps us do that. I'm, I'm really excited about, uh, the, again, the, the depth, the expansion of thought, the reflection and the, how significant and helpful this will be for community groups or any kind of groups that are getting together. Uh, it, yeah. it's really like, uh, almost, a, a could be a published Bible study. Uh, you know, in three or four pages. It, it's really, really good stuff. So I'd encourage everyone to check out the discussion questions uh, in the app or on the website. Yes. Yeah. It's attached to each sermon that we publish each week. 
Yeah. So Jeff, you're right. These questions dig into what you are explaining is, you know, you had to cut for time and still this person is like able to pull this out of your sermon and help us all process this together, which is just cool how that happened um, organically. But um, it we're asking questions like, hey, the text says that the religious leaders were annoyed. What does their annoyance reveal about what the late, where the leaders place their identity? And then later on in the questions, it's what can you learn about your identity by observing your own emotions, things like anger, anxiety, and sadness. And then what uh, happens when that's threatened and explained and that kind of thing. And so, hey, these are great to go through on your own, but I would even just say they're better to go through with somebody. Um, extracting these things from yourself can be really difficult to be, um, to have somebody who knows you well, who can speak into this and say, hey, you know, when I see you react this way, this may be a blind spot that you have. How do you feel about me bringing this up? Or of course, in truth and in love and in grace, but right. um, this definitely sharpening one another. So anyways, we're excited to see how this tool can be used um, for the benefit of our body. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Jeff, anything else that you wanted to add? Yeah. Also, just a reminder that we're we're taking a short break this Sunday uh, from our Acts series for our one worship service at 1030. And we are super excited about celebrating yeah. baptisms together and taking communion together and uh, reminding ourselves how we are united together in Jesus and then having a great picnic together afterwards, too. Yes, yes, we're looking forward to it. It's gonna be a great celebration. It's become one of my favorite Sundays of the year. Oh, awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. All right. So all our details for the event are on our website, faithchurchindy.com slash events. If people have got questions on what to bring or what's going to be included. And um, we will see everybody don't come at nine. I mean, unless actually you want to serve because you've got people yes. setting up tables and chairs and don't come at 1045 because you're going to have a hard time finding a spot and we'll already be in full swing. Come, you know, we're going to start promptly at 1030. So come a little bit ahead of that to find space for you and sit with others. Um, and we're yeah, going to have to get real cozy. We're going to fit as many people as we can safely into the worship center. So yeah. be prepared. That's a good point. Come, come a little early if you can, because it's we're gonna have to probably scoot around, and uh, we're probably not gonna have empty seats between people. Yep. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Claire. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cut for Time. If you wish to submit questions to our pastors following their sermon, you can email them to podcast at faithliveitout.org or text them into our Faith Church texting number, and we'll do our best to cover it in the week's episode. If this conversation blessed you in any way, we encourage you to share it with others. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week.